Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another episode that I hope you enjoy. Jimmy Estrich, he started asking me about how to break into breaking. He's already doing a lot of other things, and I thought he's not the only guy that is, is wondering what's the best way or a good way to do that. I'm not sure I had definitive advice for him, but I had some principles of the way I look at it. But uh, thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, as well as Topps Penny and upper deck. Here's the discussion with Jimmy. Hope you enjoy. If you are interested in getting into breaking, there's a lot of breakers out there, but apparently there's always room for one more. How has the increase in fractional platforms helped you? Because they're a competitor buying and selling. They're actually making it. You're never priced out of a a fraction of any card. You might be priced out of the card. So how does that impact your business in a positive way? What that fractional ownership typically does is because they're getting, like you said, it's not any one person buying it, but it's a multiple uh, effort thing. What that typically will do is create like new all-time highs for that card price-wise. So what you're seeing a lot of times with these fractional ownerships, which I think it's good and bad, don't get me wrong. I get why they're getting a premium because it's broken down into fractional, but at the same time, I think there needs to be some type of auditing where they make sure that the card is still a, a reasonable price. Because I've seen people complain about some of them starting the cards at just way high of a full out price. So I, I think something needs to be fixed there. But to get back to your point, I think it's a, a positive just because when you see all those top level cards have new high prices, what happens is like a trickle down effect. All of a sudden, that's a PSA 10 that this fractional group just purchased. Now, PSA 9s are more valuable. The PSA 8s are more valuable. Basically, it trickles down. I may not have the 10 of that card, but if I have a 7 or an 8 of that vintage card that just is being fractioned off for a new all-time high, what that basically does is typically 9 times out of 10 is it creates a new all-time high for your PSA 7, your PSA 8. What I try to do is when I see some of those fractional ownership advertisements as far as, hey, in two weeks, we're going to drop this card. I like to try and go out and see, all right, now that's a 10 or that's a nine that they're auctioning off. Can I try and get that card before that auction goes off? So I'll be able to, obviously, like I buy a PSA eight for 10,000, that PSA nine goes for an all-time high of 45,000 or 50,000, whatever it is, that PSA eight is going to bump up. Honestly, it's been a positive thing as far as that goes, creating new all-time highs for the rest of the market. The only caution I would say is obviously just before you get into something like that, just make sure obviously the, the full price of the card is reasonable compared to what you can go out and buy. For as veteran collectors, we're seeing that as common sense, but the, the new right. collector doesn't understand that. But the sure. run up in the Gretzky rookies, the 7980 OPG and tops in the yeah. conditions was absolutely, and yet you don't see people looking the other way and discounting the price of the fractional purchase of mm-hmm. a glamour card. They don't say went for that, but they're willing to pay more. That really shouldn't establish the value, but when it's one of a short number and it's getting a lot of publicity, but mm-hmm. more people can buy a nine or an eight or a seven or a six as you go down. And there's still decent cards, you know, there's right. Cards. Especially like you said, in those OPG and, and those tops for yeah. Gretzky's where the population is still so low. And that's the other thing. It's amazing to see, like you said, we look at the pop reports on a regular basis, but a lot of the newer people, they buy cards and honestly, they don't even know what a pop report is a lot of times until after they've made a lot of purchases. What is your opinion on breaking and the optics of it as far as a brand? Do you think it's 
a positive thing? Do you think it's negative because you're pushing, not gambling, but I guess you're pushing larger prices for boxes that people can buy for cheaper? Because I want to maybe get into it once or twice a week, just do some cool box breaks. Uh, I want to make them affordable, not just obviously overcharge where people are going to you know pay ridiculous prices for things. It's evolving, Jimmy. The card companies are changing their pricing models you know, as we speak so they can get the <laughs> right, uh, big, right. bigger slice of the actual price. Breaking is a positive. It's fun. The amazing thing it's fun when the way it's structured most people lose right and it's like vegas when you go to vegas the losers are quiet and the winners are vocal so that's that's what you're happening and it's captured you know on video to be memed to be repeated to repeat it yeah straight and they don't talk about the ones where i got nothing Right, they got nothing, not at a in thousands of dollars, but but hundreds of dollars. You lose a hundred dollars, it's not going to kill most people. But they had a chance at making thousands. So right, um, when we were doing the price guides to try to get some sense of it, we do kind of case analysis, not buy the case, but break it down according to the ratios to try to get a handle on how we thought the pricing structure would go. Gotcha. Um, okay. And what we found is what's different about now as opposed to the. 20, 20 plus years ago, is that the case hits are so outrageously expensive. Here's the dilemma. If the case hit potentially is worth more than the case, buy the case. You would just you would buy it. But that's buying it at the SRP wholesale price. Wholesale so price. You can't do that because otherwise people say, I'm going to, the, the case hit that I get is worth more if it's one of these really amazing rookies. So what I like about it is that I think a lot of people are doing the math that worth it because if the lottery is mispriced, if a lottery is mispriced, then you buy all the tickets. Paramutual means a certain money comes in, the state, the government, whatever takes theirs off the top and the rest is distributed to the winner or winners. Okay. But in the hobby, it's not a zero sum game. If there's a perception and there's bounties, if the bounty for the case hit is more than the price of the case, then you just buy the case. You can't afford it. You buy into the break of the case. And hope to. You get that. So Uh it's not irrational, but if they do the math, it's not rigged, but the game is set up in such that in the more you play, the more you should lose, or you should be careful about not exposing yourself too much to staying at the blackjack table forever. You can reduce your chances, but in the hobby, it's the other way around. You would say, hey, I I have figured out that if I bought the whole case, I can make money on it. I'm going to buy as many cases as I can. So the distributors and the people say, well, we're just going to double the price of the case. And Panini and Thompson Upper Decker saying, wait a minute, we didn't get any of that doubling. So now they're increasing their prices. Again, my slogan has always been get rich slow. If you want to be in this for a long time, if you raise your price, if the card companies raise their prices too fast, too high, then people are going to do the just say no. And it might be to something else in the hobby, which I don't worry about that because NASCAR looks like a stupendous bargain. Mm-hmm. There's other alternatives in the hobby, but if people leave the hobby out of frustration, that's bad for you. That's bad for me. That's bad for everybody. So everybody. Need to some things that work. And when they do the math, they're going to say, you know what? As an investment, it's not a good return, but as a fun thing, it's, it, it can't right. And are you a jealous person or are you happy for your fellow man? Right. You no, know, you're in the break. Somebody else hits it big. You don't. You're saying that could have been me, but it wasn't. But I'm happy for that guy. You're not going to go find out his address and knock <laughs> on the door and shake him down. I don't think. <laughs> right.
unless it's a big enough hit. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Getting product is such a difficulty for most people where we've tried to go the distribution route. We're still waiting approval from that way. You know, we've reached out to Panini some and talked about possibly setting up to some type of sponsorship where they send us a new product once a month. We break it live, work out something like that. We've had better luck talking to Panini directly so far and talking with Tracy as far as figuring out maybe something along those lines. Do I try and continue to go like the distribution route and try and build up my allocations that way? Or do I try and now that I have a, a built up brand, do I try and go like directly to Panini and try and see if I can work something out directly with them? Easiest question you've asked me because the answer is all <laughs> the above. You're going to spend more time on the ones that have a better chance of connecting sure. and getting the deal and getting it at price. I don't agree that cards are hard to find. It's not sure. the junk wax era, but in the junk wax era, everything was everywhere. Okay. Right. Now it's not that everything is everywhere or it actually can be everywhere, but it's at a price that's in some cases outrageous where you really sure. can't make money in a business context. You're not just a hobbyist thinking, oh, it'd be nice to have these cards, but you're talking about thousands and tens of then hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's out there if you want to overpay. That's what's similar to the junk wax here is that it's out there. The junk wax got commoditized. And this is the opposite of that. The breaking has enabled it to to make it accessible to a, a broader number of people and give them a, you know, it's a gambling aspect that I right. if hit, I might not. And right. if I hit, I'm going to tell all my friends. And if I don't, I'm just going to and slink off. And, right. But, but but most people are not saying I'm never going to do that again. They're saying better luck next time. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they're watching those, even if they have other people in them, a lot of times they like joining and just being part of the experience. If you look at it from a purely entertainment standpoint too, I don't think you get nearly as disappointed when you don't hit that card or hit that team that you wanted. You paid for the experience, like you pay to go out for dinner, you pay to go out to the movies, that same kind of idea, but you have the advantage of possibly hitting something big. But as far as dealing directly with Panini, how should I approach them? I don't want to sound like I'm begging for product, but at the same time, I want to be able to explain to them some of the value that we can bring from our platform. Ronnie 2K is a guy that comes up with the 2K prices, 2K ratings for the players on the the game. We've partnered with him. So he's actually been helping us. He's got over a million uh, followers on Instagram. We've partnered up with a few bigger influencers where we try to want to help get the you know, Panini brand out where I don't know if that would be valuable to them. How should I approach it when I do talk to people like Tracy at Panini as far as what we can bring as value? And I have my metrics as far as the views that we get. I know that stuff's important to them on the social media side as far as our engagement goes. So I have all those metrics. You realize you're not the only one. What you're doing right is you're flipping the WIFM. What's in it for me? You're doing the WIFI. What's in it for you, Tracy? This is how I, I can be a good partner for you. Uh, long-term, you're showing how it could work for them. To me, that's a better way to do it. Instead of saying, hey, Tracy, you need to give me this product so I can make some money. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, or I don't want to come Chris Carlin or anybody. But you know, I'd approach right. them all. You've got a number of followers on Instagram that you're building. Yeah. You're starting a podcast. So there's a lot of activity there. And the fact that breaking would fit into that, it would be good for them and, and good for you and good for your customer base that Panini and Thompson upper deck would allow you to to acquire direct sure but they're going to be doing more and more direct things but the pricing is going to be different they're i was different. just going to say that yeah so it's not a game but it's business okay so you've got to be figuring out how the breaking is just an equation if you buy the case for this and you parcel it out this way you know how much you're going to make if you keep passing on not huge margins making it uh, fun but for you not that it'd be a lost leader but 
It'd be fun for your right. community if it was uh, restricted to being in the community. If you were to say to your uh, community, I'm going to be opportunistic. I'm going to be looking for some cases that I can pick up. If I can pick up at a good price where I can pass along break opportunities sure. for, for our family here, mm-hmm. then I'll do that. But I, I'm not going to just break for the sake of breaking. It's not going to be a good deal. You're not going to be happy. And you right. can go somewhere else and be unhappy somewhere else. We're the happy place. <laughs> sure. That's been my idea, I guess, so far where I didn't want to just buy a case, break it all down, go through all that shipping and then make 300 bucks. I don't mind it being like a loss leader where it's a, a community engagement thing. But at the same time, I want to make sure it's a good product. If they want Prism, I want to be able to break Prism for them, not just get them into something because I was able to. To me, the greater opportunity for you, you should be doing experiences that draw people to your sure. Okay. But right. breaking could be part of that. But your bread and butter is going to be selling slab cards, yeah. selling and having strong knowledge of how you can make money and pass that on to your customers. I think there's a huge opportunity in crossover slabs. PSA is the market leader in terms of volume. PSA has the greater market share. But there's going to be a bunch of other slabs out there that may convert to PSA in a favorable way and some that won't there's a business opportunity to be buying, considering these other non-PSA grading. Let's eliminate BGS. I think they're the clear number two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but there's the a, an established market and you shouldn't treat that worse than raw. Go right. crack it out. Are you able to find deals out there that are for these other grading companies? Or is there just such a fear that they're overgraded? I think there's a little bit of both there where you see some of these and you see it's a 10 and you're like, okay, what if we crack this, resubmit it, it's going to come back a seven from PSA. So I think there's some of that, but at the same time, you got to buy the card where you got to examine it as similar to if you were buying a raw, you want to look front back. You don't really want to pay as much attention to the grade as giving it a good self-examination yourself. Be critical. Maybe if you do have the chance to compare it to the PSA slab grade of the same card, maybe that you think is going to transfer over, have one there. At least when it's in that slab, it's in a protected state versus if that person just had the card raw and like a penny sleeve or a top loader, I'd rather have it in the slab. So I think that's a nice thing where if you see some of the people crack the older graded cards and resubmit because it's been in a protected case, so the card's going to be in pretty good condition. We haven't really capitalized a ton on it yet. We are definitely paying attention to that though, as far as the grades that are coming out from these newer grading companies and personally seeing what they're being more critical on than others. Just because of PSA, they tend to have certain things that they look for as far as what's going to grade as far as centering and whatnot, where a card may have gotten a good grade, but it's off-centered. So we know it's not going to typically grade well in a PSA slab just because from the front. So you have to look at it like it's a raw card, be critical. But I definitely think there are arbitrages there as far as being able to go from those People aren't doing it, but you have to have a deeper understanding of how grading works even with the different companies, because each have slightly different approaches.